and welcome to Are We There Yet? The podcast looking at the innovations emerging from the workshops, labs and secret test tracks of Hyundai. Across this series, we've heard about technology that is changing our world. From getting behind the cutting edge tech to the designers, scientists and engineers making crucial decisions about the future of mobility. I'm Susie Perry and this podcast comes to you from Hyundai Motor. Today we're looking at a technology which may change our world more than any other. The first time people get into a robot taxi, you have people, you know, holding the door handles and, and kind of a little bit white knuckled. I would be. I know I would be. <laughs> but then within a couple minutes, those same people were looking at their phone. They were bored. For us as autonomous vehicle technology developers, the greatest compliment you can give to us is to say that trip was really boring. Boredom is perfectly acceptable. Fully autonomous driving is the future for all of us. Joining me is someone who is already bringing that to fruition. It's based on the Ionic 5, you know, an absolute knockout of a car. Carl Jan Yemmer is president and CEO of Motional, the joint venture through which Hyundai are taking driverless taxis to the streets. This project, introducing the Ionic 5-based robo-taxi into our lives, is the latest chapter in an incredible career. There's no better person to ask, are we there yet? Carl, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me. Very happy to join you today. I think the first time I read or thought about autonomous cars was when I was filming a show called The Gadget Show in the UK. It would have been back in the early noughties and we started to film and show little bits of autonomous driving and how the sensors worked and this kind of thing. It was really in its infancy. I'm not going to lie, it was a bit scary to do it and it was fascinating. We can get onto the feel of it a bit later on. But what was it um, that woke you up to the possibilities? When did you realise the potential of autonomous driving? I've really been in the autonomous vehicle industry my entire career, I can say. Um, but at the beginning, I was in the academic world. So I was uh, at MIT in the United States. I was studying robotics. The robots I was interested in happened to have four wheels and they rolled around the floor. So they looked a lot like cars. But this was really the early days of autonomous driving. We didn't really call it autonomous driving. Then. We just called it robotics. To give you an example, we'd ask the car, the robot, to drive around an obstacle. Sometimes it would drive around the obstacle. Sometimes not so much. It would bump into the obstacle. So the technology was still very much under development. Over time, we, myself, a lot of researchers around the world in the robotics community, we continued to develop the technology. And after a while, that little robotic car got pretty good at avoiding obstacles. And, and if you squinted at it, you could see a day where this technology could transition to city streets around the world. You know, there was one other event that was really, I would say, fairly formative it was called the DARPA Urban Challenge, the DARPA Grand Challenge. DARPA is a government agency, a U.S. government agency that sponsored these challenges. DARPA basically said, hey, anyone who wants to develop a driverless car, put it in a contest that we're going to sponsor, and the winner will give you a million bucks. Wow. And then they later raised the prize to two million bucks. So this was a big incentive for researchers around the world to try to build a very early version of an autonomous car. And that really 
fueled a lot of imagination around the world, mine included. Not too long after that, I formed a startup company called Newtonomy. We were, I think, the world's first startup that was fully focused on building autonomous cars that were going to drive around cities. And that was in 2013. And um, it's really taken off from there. You're originally from Detroit. Mm -hmm. So how big a part of your early experiences were cars and, and the car industry? Because obviously Detroit is uh, so well known for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you grew up in Detroit in, uh, in the 70s, as I did, you know, cars were everywhere. It was really in the, in the water in that part of the country. And I can honestly say that almost everyone I knew either had a family member or, let's say, a first relation that worked in the auto industry. It was that common. Everyone was in auto. You've also written a lot of books, novels. Do you see the mobility business as an imaginative challenge? At one point in my career, I thought I would be a fiction writer. <laughs> I wrote a couple of, um, couple of works of fiction, a novel, a book of short stories. It was, it was something I loved doing and still do. What we're doing in the autonomous driving industry is something fundamentally new. We're creating a technology that doesn't exist. Anytime you do something fundamentally new, it's a creative process, uh, really by definition. The difference when you're writing a book, of course, is you're sitting in a room and creating the entire thing yourself. Here at Motional, we've got 1,100 plus employees working toward this common goal of building this technology and these products. So a little bit different in that regard. But absolutely, what's shared is the creativity and the interest in doing something fundamentally new. Carl, before we get on to this fantastic project, let's talk about Motional. At Motional, you're pioneers in driverless technology. And mm -hmm. can you introduce your mission, as it were? We have a very clear mission. It's to make driverless vehicles a safe, reliable, and accessible reality. It's not an R&D project. We are very serious about taking that core technology, building it into products, and putting it in vehicle fleets in cities around the world so that someone in Europe, someone in North America, eventually people in Asia and Africa can hail a driverless car and take a trip that is very safe, that's very reliable, that's very efficient, and that's a heck of a lot cheaper than today's transportation options. And we want to do that as fast as we can. We were formed in 2020. We're a joint venture, means a partnership between two bigger businesses. On the one hand, Hyundai Motor Group. Everybody knows Hyundai. They're one of the biggest automotive manufacturers in the world. And Aptiv. Aptiv is one of the world's top automotive tier one suppliers. And that means they build technology for vehicles. So we're technically a new company. But, you know, my history and a lot of the team that joined Motional, we've been doing this for a very long time. And some of the accomplishments that my team has been responsible for, I'm very proud of these. Um, one of the things, we launched the world's first open to the public robo-taxi pilot a few years ago. We said, hey, let's let anyone hop in these cars. That was in Singapore. The team did the first cross-country autonomous drive in the U.S. now from New York to San Francisco, 99 I think 0.8% of the time it was hands off the wheel, fully autonomous. We've got what we believe is the world's longest standing open to the public robo-taxi pilot in Las Vegas. So if you go to Las Vegas and you're there for a vacation and you download the Lyft app, that's our partner in Vegas, you can hail a robo-taxi. We'll come pick you up and take you to a casino and it's a great part of your Vegas experience. So we want to build technology that's going to power fleets of mobility services around the world. And, and the, excuse the pun, but the drive behind this is primarily one of safety or 
economy or a, a split between the two? It's many things. First is safety, as you just mentioned, Susie. You know, many, if not most, of accidents on the road are caused by driver error. Computer systems never drowsy, never drunk, never distracted. The safety of driverless vehicles will eventually far exceed human piloted vehicles. Efficiency is another one. A lot of times, taxi drivers in a city tend to all cluster in the same location. So if you're in a very busy part of a city, you can get a taxi. If you go outside a central core, it may be hard to get a ride. But with a uh, fleet of robo-taxis, you can coordinate the activity of that fleet. You will have a, a much more efficient transportation network. We're convinced of that. Accessibility is another one. The sad fact is there are parts of many cities where you can't get a ride, where Taxi drivers don't go, don't want to go, mm. where in some cases mass transit doesn't have great connectivity. So we believe robo-taxis will fill transportation gaps in many cities. The environmental dimension, very important to us here at Motional. Our fleets will be electric vehicles. And I think as I look across the industry, we see some of our competitors also moving in that direction. So the opportunity to have large electrified fleets that's going to be a very powerful positive for the environment. Let's come to the Ionic 5 robo-taxi now. Um, how did this collaboration with Hyundai come about with Motional? So in 2020, we formed Motional, which was, as I mentioned, a joint venture between Hyundai and Aptiv. And as we all know, what Hyundai does very well is they make great looking, you know, high quality cars and they do them at scale. They are in you know, every corner of the world. Our ambition at Motional is to deploy robotic taxis all over the world, but they have to be extremely reliable. They have to have that same reliability as you would get for a passenger vehicle. You really need to partner very closely with an auto manufacturer. So we partner really hand in glove with Hyundai to build our first generation robo-taxi, it's based on the Ionic 5 platform, which is, you know, an absolute knockout of a car, and it's received acclaim, really, all over the world. So that strategic relationship with Hyundai is extremely valuable for us. Um, it gives us a really strong competitive advantage in the autonomous driving industry. The fact is, working very closely with Hyundai uh, on this initiative really gives you an appreciation on the immense complexity of just a standard passenger vehicle. Mm. And then, of course, adding the autonomous dimension to it, which, as you can imagine, there's a lot of complexity in the sensors, the computers, the software. You have an enormously complex system, and it's taking ingenuity of Motional's best engineers as well as Hyundai's best engineers to make it a reality. As somebody who's spent time in these Ionic 5 robo-taxis, can you talk us through the passenger experience from the very beginning, if you like, sure. from booking a cab until you get to your destination. The booking part of it will look really no different than what you're used to today. Emotional is going to partner with some of the leading ride hail businesses in the world to integrate our vehicles with their networks. So you'll open an app, you'll be able to choose a class of service. And in this case, you may get to choose RoboTaxi. You'll hail a car if there's one close to you in the neighborhood with a short arrival time. We'll come. We'll pick you up. Now, here's where things get a little bit different. 
you approach the vehicle, there's no one behind the wheel, right? <laughs> it's a robo-taxi. So we built technology to allow people to access the vehicle. Think of like a swipe to unlock on your phone. This will be a physical version of that. You will swipe on your phone and the vehicle will grant you access. It will unlock for you. You get into the vehicle, instead of a fellow behind the wheel or a woman driving the car, you're looking at a screen which knows your route, knows where you want to go. We have systems to ensure that you're safe in the car, that you buckled up and are ready to travel. You hit go and off you go. That's where the magic comes in. The autonomous software is navigating. Mm -hmm. It's keeping you aware of what it sees and what it's reacting to on the road. So in the instance, let's say, for example, the robo-taxi has to um, bias in the lane to avoid something that's fallen into the road, a spare tire or something that's fallen off a vehicle. It'll give you some indication why it did that. So you're not made nervous or surprised. We focus a lot on the comfort of the ride. What people don't want to experience in a robo-taxi is a ride that's a little bit jerky, that feels robotic. They really want to ride in a vehicle that feels like it's being driven by an expert human driver. So we've spent countless hundreds and thousands of hours to really tune the ride quality to be very comfortable. You'll get to the end of your trip. Vehicle will say you're here. You hop out of the vehicle and off you go, even if you forget to close the door. So the answer is it should feel very similar to a human piloted ride, except for that one detail, no one behind the wheel. But again, what we found in our uh, user studies is that people get used to the autonomous experience very quickly. If you can deliver a ride that's safe and comfortable, there'll be kind of a wow factor the first time you take a trip, maybe the first couple of times. But we anticipate that after that, this is going to become commonplace for riders around the world. Because that's the thing, really, isn't it, with new technology, when it comes onto a consumer level, there's a, an air of... Um, sometimes fear from some people. And then before you know it, it's just become commonplace. You're absolutely right. We video people in our cars when we were doing some of our testing. The first time people get into a robotaxi, you mentioned nervousness. There was a lot of that. You have people holding the door handles and, and kind of a little bit white knuckled. <laughs> I would be. I, I know I would be. Because <laughs> they don't know what to expect. But then even on the same single trip, within a couple minutes, those same people were looking at their phone. They were looking out the window. They were bored by the end of the trip. And for us as autonomous vehicle technology developers, the greatest compliment you can give to us is to say, that trip was really boring. That's the best thing we can hear. We don't want excitement. We don't want nervousness. We don't want anxiety. Boredom is perfectly acceptable. Can you talk us through the testing regime then? You just mentioned it there when you were filming uh, and, and looking at how, how it was going to work. What, what does the vehicle have to demonstrate before it gets onto the road? And, and where are you doing the testing? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, the testing is exhaustive. For us as a business to achieve the, the, the confidence that the technology is safe enough to put on the roads, we've got to really put it through the ringer. And I'm in these vehicles very regularly. So I have to be convinced personally, and I've got to be convinced that I would put my wife in this vehicle, my kids in this vehicle before we're going to release it to the public. One of the most important components of our testing is really virtual testing simulation. So we do an immense amount of simulated testing. We built up a virtual world that allows us to test our vehicle in simulation in a massive variety of scenarios, many of which are unlikely to happen in the real world, 
would be dangerous if they happened in the real world. Of course, we can test all that safely in simulation. And we can test tens of thousands of hours in simulation and tens of thousands of miles of driving in a single day. We do a lot of testing on closed course. We control the environment. So we can set up scenarios that may be dangerous, but we've got you know, trained individuals on our test track and it's closed to the public. So we can test to see how the vehicle would respond. And then of course we do exhaustive testing on public roads. We are, I would say, somewhat unique in the automotive uh, autonomous driving industry. We've been quite open about our approach to safety. We released last year our voluntary safety self-assessment, quite a detailed outline of how we at Motional think about safety. We released that to the public. That's what gives us confidence that we've got a system that's safe enough to put in front of the public. Let me move on to the security aspect of this then, because one well-grounded concern is that autonomous vehicles could be vulnerable to a cyber attack. How, how much is that tested the ingenuity of your engineers? We say there is no safety without security. We spend an immense amount of effort on cybersecurity. Again, one of the things that we've done recently, we've released to the public what we call our autonomous vehicle cybersecurity development lifecycle. This was, to our knowledge, the first publicly released cybersecurity development overview in the automotive industry. It's been really positively received. One other thing I'll say, we are our own most aggressive cybersecurity threats, meaning we have internal and third parties that we hire, that we contract with, to try to attack our vehicles from a cybersecurity perspective. We want to find our own vulnerabilities before anyone else can. We're very motivated to do that. Let's return now to the Ionic 5 robo-taxi and dig a little bit into the detail, if we may. And, and what about how this vehicle senses the world? I'm fascinated by this. We've got all manner of gadgets and sensors involved, haven't we here? Radar, camera, laser. What's being detected? And how does the vehicle's brain convert that into instructions? We've got almost three dozen sensors on the vehicle, so it's a lot. So we are looking 360 degrees around the vehicle at all times with those combination of 30 sensors. And we've got a number of different types of sensors. We've got cameras, we've got radar, we've got LIDAR, which is a new-ish sensor to the automotive world. It's a laser-based range measurement technology. Now, the reason we use different types of sensors is because they're complementary in nature. So when one sensor isn't doing so well, so let's say, for example, it's, it's dark out and the, the cameras are not providing as much information as they would during daylight. Well, it turns out the LiDAR sensor is actually providing more. LiDARs shine very brightly when it's dark. So that complementary nature of these sensors is very important. All of the sensor data comes together into a centralized computer, and we stitch all that data together and create a view of the world that the car can then decide how to act based on. And we've heard how the robo-taxi is being put through its paces in, in terms of training. The vehicles have done loads of testing, but how does the fleet learn from all of the data that's being collected? These vehicles learn from example. They're also kind of like humans in that way. You know, we as humans get better as we age, at least that's the idea, because <laughs> we've seen more things on the road. We know what to expect. We can better anticipate. These cars are not so different. We have developed what we call a continuous learning framework. And as the name would suggest, it is a continuous learning. It's a framework for continuously learning from driving. We like to say we want to get uh, smarter with every mile driven. That's the goal. 
It sounds simple. There's a lot of work behind the scenes to automatically identify the interesting bits of the data. And it's a little bit of a needle in the haystack problem, but we find the very interesting parts. Uh, we identify that, we feed it back into our algorithms, and then we update our software and push it back out onto the car. So the next time that car hits the road, it's even smarter than it was the day before. It's actually quite mind-blowing when you think about the amount of hazards, the potential hazards that you have on the road, even that you just take for granted as a, as a driver out there. I'm sitting here listening to you thinking of all manner of things and problems that can occur at any one moment anywhere in the world. Absolutely. I've been continuously surprised. I, I thought I had reached the point where I wouldn't be surprised by things I see on, on the road anymore. But when you start viewing a typical drive through the eyes of an autonomous vehicle, which I always do, I can't help it, you are continuously surprised what's out there. I mean, you know, we do a lot of testing in Singapore. I'll never forget a few years ago, data came back and, um, you know, a fellow on the side of the road wearing a chicken suit. Why is he wearing a chicken suit? Well, I think they were opening a chicken restaurant. I mean, this can happen. We didn't train our vehicles to recognize three-meter-tall chickens, but there it was. So <laughs> this kind of stuff happens all the time. When you start looking for it, you realize there's something specific and different and sometimes kind of weird happening on the road all the time. So we have to train our systems to recognize, to adapt, um, and to learn. Quite frankly, I can't believe that wasn't a priority, a three-meter-high chicken. Um, <laughs> The, the collaboration and, and the partnership, let's let's have a little bit more of a chat about that. How vital is, is their attitude to innovation, would you say, with something like this? Hyundai has been a great partner. They are really transforming their business and thinking very both deeply and broadly about what it means to move people in the coming decades, in the coming hundred years. And it won't be just about selling personally owned vehicles. It'll be about providing mobility in general. It'll be about providing mobility assistance. It'll be about robotics, one of my first loves. And Hyundai is really bringing a lot of these threads together. So they are at, um, I, I think, the forefront of innovation in mobility. And for that reason, they are the perfect partner for a business like Motional, because I would describe us in exactly the same way. The future mobility, we've shifted as an industry. When I was growing up in Detroit in the 70s, it was who could build the biggest engine with the most horsepower, generate the most torque, and um, miles to the gallon, not so important. Sometimes build quality wasn't fantastic. That was the battleground. Times have changed. Attitudes toward car ownership have changed. Let's look ahead now. What are the key dates in terms of seeing this on the streets? 2022, big year for us. 2023, even bigger. I mean, I love the title of this podcast, Are We There Yet? Because for us at Motional, the answer is, yeah, just about. <laughs> and I say that because 2023 is when we're launching our first driverless robo-taxi service in Las Vegas. We're partnering with Lyft, mm -hmm. one of the major North American ride-hailing networks. In certain parts of the city, you'll be able to hail a Motional driverless vehicle. It'll pick you up, take you where you want to go, all the benefits I've just described, that user experience we talked about, that'll be part of it all. So we are working hard to get there. We're leading up to that 2023 driverless launch with what we call a soft launch. And what that means is there will be Ionic 5 vehicles on the road in advance of that launch in 23. So in this year, we've got R&D vehicles cruising around the city right now, collecting data and doing testing, et cetera. So that's a big milestone for us that's upcoming. Now, also this year, 
we are going to be doing some autonomous deliveries, not of people, but of food. Also with the Ionic 5, this will be a partnership with Uber Eats. This is in Santa Monica in California. So a smaller partnership, but with Uber Eats, one of the major players in food delivery, certainly in the U.S., and obviously a, a global brand, so a great partner that we're very excited about. The insight there is, from a technical perspective, it's not that different to deliver a person or a pizza. We want to just ensure that our cars are busy, that they're engaged in a revenue-generating trip as frequently as possible. So we love the idea of partnering with both ride-hail companies and delivery companies to ensure we're making the most out of our technology. This podcast, as you mentioned, is called Are We There Yet? The Ionic 5 Robotaxi seems like it is there, but what further changes need to happen before autonomy sweeps the world? Well, we as technology developers need to uh, continue our expansion. We need to continue developing the technology to ensure, first of all, the technology is safe, but also to make sure it gets smarter and smarter. And what that's going to allow us to do is expand our reach. Right now, there are autonomous vehicles on the road. Again, are we there yet? The answer is yes, but it depends where you live. If you're in a city like Vegas, if you're in San Francisco, if you're in a few other major cities, you can see autonomous vehicles as part of your daily commute. But that's the exception rather than the rule. So what we need to do as technology developers, continue to develop the tech, continue to explore new markets, new cities, get our cars on the road, introduce them to the public in the right way, work with regulators, make sure that, you know, we're on the right side of regulation and we're working kind of hand in hand with them. And that's how we're going to eventually scale this technology to a, a very broad global reach. Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you, Susie. This was a lot of fun. If you're excited by cutting-edge technology, electric vehicles, sustainability and the projects Hyundai are leading, you can find out more at Hyundai.com. And make sure you follow or subscribe to the Are We There Yet podcast from your usual providers. It means, of course, you'll never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>